0: Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Catholic Talk Show. Today we're gonna be talking about the four last things. That's right, we're looking
1: at the Catholic tradition of meditating on death, judgment, heaven and hell, and what those things can mean to you in your spiritual life.
2: Let's face it, a lot of people misunderstand these four last things, but this show is gonna uncover them beautifully.
0: Going to be a great episode. I I really don't know anything about the formal meditation on these four last things. I've never heard of it. So this and is
2: kind of and cool. it's true. And I I don't think uh, you know. In greater respect, the preaching on the four last things is really kind of dates back a a few centuries, really, like in its practice, but it was associated with Advent and really toward Advent. We're starting to hear in November into early December, we're hearing about the end times. We're hearing about judgment. We're We're hearing a lot about these mysteries of death, judgment, heaven, hell and and it's important to focus our attention on them. And I think in previous centuries, and, and Sheila, you're going to kind of share a little yeah. bit of the history on this, but in previous centuries, it was very powerfully emphasized and became a part of really the the culture and the custom of preaching these, uh, these realities in Advent.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a really great time of year to preach on the four last things. So again, the four last things, Goes, they're the four last things that the human soul experiences. Um, or sometimes they're called the four last things of man mm-hmm. or the quator novissima, right? So it's death, judgment, heaven, and hell. Now, that's a, even the Catholic encyclopedia says that's a unscientific um, categorization of all the things that happen. But those are the last things that the human soul experiences, death. Judgment and then the disposition to heaven or hell. Mm. And meditating on those things in the Catholic tradition has been a very, very powerful source of prayer, understanding of where you are, where you're going, the reason that you do the things that you do. And ultimately, the goal of the four last things is to end up in heaven and meditating on your own death. I mean, how many times you see a picture of a saint and they've they've got a skull on their desk, Mm -hmm. right? That is part of the four last things meditation, meditating on. Your own death.
2: And I've mentioned this before, but Blessed Charles Foucault meditated on his death 30 minutes a day. Hmm. Just to meditate and focus your attention on the fact that this reality is today. It's like, gonna happen. Yeah. Like and and I need to orient my life in this reality today. Hmm. And and I think it's uh, I think it's a great way to kind of center the focus of your investment of time. Yeah. You know, and and it's very effective. So, you know, first and foremost, jumping into the mystery of death, we have to, we have to keep in mind that death is the separation of man's mortal body and immortal soul. It comes to all men as a result of original sin. So this is, this is a, um, a consequence of the fall of Adam and Eve, what we uphold in the book of Genesis. It's a temporary state for at the end of the world, all men shall rise again to be judged by Christ. Thus the whole man body and soul will be rewarded for the good or evil that he has done body and soul in this life. So, you know, this separation is something to consider as being temporary. And I don't think people realize that about death. Mm. I think in greater respect, people think, well, death is a finality and it's like, yeah, the body is worthless now. Like, no, that's why we as a church still maintain that the body of the dead in Christian burial is buried mystically with Christ in the tomb Mm. and we await the resurrection Mm. of the body.
1: I mean, it's right there in the creed. I mean, how many times have I believe in the resurrection of the body and of the world How coming in the body? Like, do you really believe that, right? But <laughs> that we that how how you do. how say it, Mass? <laughs> yeah. I, resurre- I believe in the resurrection of the body and the. you shut up, okay? And, 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 but I mean, the resurrection of the body is a central Christian tenet. We are not Greeks who go off into the Elysian fields. We're not Vikings who go off to Valhalla in an a, you know, unincorporated spirit. I mean, we are, like our Lord, looking forward to the resurrection of, the, of a transfigured body, right? Right. So it's important to, you know, talk about that, how death is not a permanent state. Mm -hmm. It is, of all the states. Pretty cool. (laughs) Well, Of all the states, death is really kind of the most temporal, right? It's Mm -hmm. a very Mm -hmm. finite amount of time. Um, But people fear death. Mm -hmm. I mean, and if you look in cultures, I mean, that's why you have like the dance macabre and so much, uh, you know, um, grotesque art with skeletons. People fear death. They just do. It's inherent. I mean, that's people passed out of the sight of blood.
0: St. Cyprian says that love of the world fuels the fear of death. That's true. Yeah.
1: I mean, why do you fear death? Because you love this world and you're uncertain about the next thing. Yeah. You're uncertain about the next world. Um, Afraid of judgment. Afraid of the last things, right? Yeah. You're afraid of death because it leads to judgment or heaven and hell, or you're afraid of death because you're not sure if it does lead to those things. Oh. That's why I think meditating on death is a really important bellwether of where your spirituality
0: is. Yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful. Death is really beautiful. My wife is a hospice nurse. Um, and, like, it's it's an amazing spiritual thing, too. You've probably seen it, um, you know, with the last rites and different things like that. Um, but, yeah, I think meditating on it, like you were saying, like, meditating on that, like, reorients your life to <clears throat> the fact that this is a temporal world and we, we can use our time, Towards the things that are good, mm-hmm. right? Orient ourselves. I like that.
2: Um, I I um have in my horizon build book uh, related to the build out of our campus. Um, and you know, in one of the chapters of this, the world needs compassion. Uh, we identified that the statistic is ninety percent want to talk with loved ones about end of life care. 27% have done so. Mm. And that's a huge disparity. And the need to not only meditate on death, but also talk about it, it's a challenging thing to land. And that's why the statistic is just so clear that it's not happening because there is a lot of fear associated with it. Um, some people like Father Tedlo, even when I talk about death with Father Tedlow, it's like, he he thinks like it's going to speed him along to death like now. Like no, like yeah. you know, I'm just I'm just saying oh, like Oh, don't talk if about it. Don't talk it, about yeah, it. Yeah, if I talk about it, you know. Yeah, if
1: I, it's like you're jinxing yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but that's people are superstitious. Super they just inherently superstitious. So,
0: it's, it's a good point. It's like I mean, just with Jen's brain cancer and mm-hmm. having to go through like all of this stuff with a lawyer, you know, like that's a horrible practice, mm-hmm. right? I mean Sure, we could have done this before she got her brain tumor, but it's like now that she's got it, it's you have to go in and face that, and it's very difficult, Mm -hmm. very difficult to do because it's an exercise and death. It's a it's a meditation, literally on death, like you're meditating on where the temporal things go. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would say that it's
1: good to not
0: be caught off guard. You know,
1: our Lord gives so many parables about staying awake. The bridegroom is long delayed. A thief in the night. Right. Being prepared because, like, even in, in medieval times, it was considered people would see someone who would die suddenly and say they were cursed because mm-hmm. they didn't have time to prepare get their house physically and spiritually in order mm-hmm. on their death. You know, people would just drop them a heart attack. Yeah. They thought, wow, all that person was just taken by the demons. Mm-hmm. So preparing for death, because death can happen. I, I don't know if you can trust the statistics, but I read the statistic once that concerning human beings, one out of every one person dies, mm, mm-hmm. okay? <laughs> I know that statistics are damn lies sometimes, but I kind of tend to believe that one. Yeah. So you're going to die. We're all going to die. So we have to, uh, you know, ignoring it won't make it go away. Yeah. It just won't. So meditate on it, understand it, and understand that, that your life is leading towards that. It is part of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, like said Alphonsus Ligori, he said, um, we must die. How awful is the decree? We must die. The sentence is passed, and then he quotes Hebrews nine: "It is appointed for all men once to die."
2: Mm.
0: Mm. It's gonna happen. Is that where mm.
2: you
1: got
0: that stat from? No, this stat I think I read from. <laughs> yeah.
1: Now I think this was from the National Health Department. I'm not sure. But again, you can't trust the stats. It's probably put out by Fauci. Who knows? <laughs>
2: So another thing to consider about death. So St. Paul reminds us in the scriptures that death is an enemy, you know, and that the last enemy to be destroyed is death. But it's also relevant to express that death is a remedy. Mm -hmm. And what is it a remedy for? Remedy for sin. Because when we die, we no longer sin. In the, same, in the same manner that like a, a child who's being reared and, and formed, um, you have those initial years of formation to be able to educate the child in what is right and wrong mm-hmm. and, and to pursue the good, to pursue life and to pursue, um, you know, the avoidance of sin. So uh, these are things that, that people I, I don't think consider about death. Death as a remedy or death as an enemy. Or, you know, death is the temporary separation of our immortal soul and our mortal bodies. Mm -hmm. And then what happens through death is now we are waiting in this period of time, anticipating what comes next, which is judgment. That's right.
1: And I think that's one of the reasons a lot of people fear death is judgment. Mm -hmm. I mean there is an accounting for all the things that you've done. You will stand before the terrible judge and mm. they'll, you know, you'll be, you'll answer for your thing. So for all you people who are leaving bad comments in our, in our comm box, right. And you sit there and you write, well, wow, Mary was just a woman and she was a sinner too. Let us know how that works out for you. When you have to tell Jesus at your judgment that you spent your time on earth talking crap about his mom on a <laughs> Facebook
0: page, it's
1: not a good strategy, dude. Let me just tell you, But that is what happens on death. Now, this is an area where Catholics and Protestants fundamentally disagree. Like, particularly, I would say, fundamentalists. They say, well, when you die, the dead know nothing, and then everyone will have the last judgment. And they, they reject the particular judgment. And in Catholic eschatology, there is the particular judgment and then the universal judgment. Mm-hmm. Upon death, the Catholic Church teaches, and I fully believe that you face the particular judgment, which is different from the general judgment. And that's when your your soul will be, you know, get behind me. You, you've rejected me in life or you're separating the sheep and the goats or the wheat and the tares, right? That's when your soul's disposition, you'll be judged and found wanting, mm-hmm. sent to purgatory or heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the artwork in the church around
0: judgment is always oh, so – Oh, my goodness gracious.
2: Alarming. Fierce, yeah. alarming. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That that uh, basilica of the Immaculate Conception in Washington D.C. That is like epic.
2: Mm-hmm. So I'd like to share something with you guys. Uh, this is an image here, and shield. I mean a uh, Delacross. It's like my little. Uh... So what I'm sharing here is an image from the Cathedral of Salamanca. And uh, this is the final judgment in in the old cathedral. And when you walk into the old cathedral, which is attached to the new cathedral, um, it's also where they have daily mass. So if you find yourself in Salamanca and you're pilgrimaging there, it's one of the most magnificently beautiful churches in the world. And there, in the sanctuary of the old cathedral, where daily mass takes place, you have above in in uh, above the sanctuary this. Expression of the last judgment. This is my personal favorite image of the last judgment of Christ coming back to judge the living and the dead. And you have, uh, you know, hell being depicted uh, by this this beast, the behemoth, the behemoth, uh, swallowing and devouring, um, you know. And it looks like
0: they're like willingly going there, too. You know what I mean? Like, not a. well, I mean, this is medieval art. I mean,
1: they're—it's not going for realism.
0: No, I know. It's just, I don't know. I don't
1: think anyone willingly goes. But to just art. these,
2: just these, like these, uh, these demons. that... You, they, you saw this in person, right? Yes, yes, and it's so much more powerful in person. But I'm, I'm glad that I, I still have this. Um, but you know, the baptismal clothing that is unstained you know that has been washed through the blood of the lamb you know are the people clothed and the nakedness of of sin and shame uh you know being swallowed in the ma- the mouth of the behemoth that has these demons uh, coming out of the mouth and and grabbing a hold of uh, you know, people and drawing them into the fires of, uh, of Gehenna. So just a really, a really powerful reflection and, um, and one of my favorite. So this
1: is, again, we were talking about the difference between the general judgment and the particular judgment. Mm-hmm. And that's the la- that's the final judgment. That's the general or mm-hmm. the last judgment, really powerful
2: and our um, blessed mother and John the Baptist kneeling and praying in this image at the last judgment, and the the uh, the horns of the angels uh, being piped, you know, and the the tools of torture being held by the angels uh, around uh, Christ, and and the action of judgment and mercy, uh, justice and mercy. Uh, one, his hand is being raised uh, in the direction of justice. Um, and then his, his other hand showing his wound, um, is being exposed in mercy to the clo- those clothed baptized, uh, members in his name, uh, that wash their garments in the blood of the lamb through the sacrament of reconciliation. Um, just, and the divide between, I mean, really this, this consoles me yet also, uh, alarms me, Yeah, uh, in relationship to, um, where I find myself in, in Christ.
1: Um, Catechism 10.22 talks about the immediate judgment or the, the, the judgment received upon death. It says, Each man receives his eternal retribution in his immortal soul at the very moment of his death in a particular judgment that refers his life to Christ, either entrance into blessedness of heaven through a purification or immediately, or immediate and everlasting damnation. That is the that's the judgment, the particular judgment where you will be judged by the terrible judge upon your death. Mm. If you died today, would you be ready for that?
2: Uh yeah. I just I just beg the Lord Jesus that I can I can receive the sacraments, you know.
1: Um, I mean, do you want to die right now in this moment? Are you ready to stand before the Lord? Because I don't think I am, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. I wouldn't want to right now because I wouldn't be Worthy only except for his mercy.
2: Well, Well, I I feel good because I just went to confession um, like two days ago (laughs) and I honored Our Lady and celebrated the solemnity of the Assumption and Maximilian Kolbe and 16. you know, prayed the chaplet. And I've, I've, been, I've been doing fairly well with my liturgy of the hours, So I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. <laughs> you're in a good place. But it's like, I'm not like, you know, there's so many things that you want to order to Christ, right? You wanna develop virtue in areas that you feel like you're lacking. You wanna, you know, and I think that's always gonna be the case of the day that you die.
1: And that's what this meditation is yeah. for. Okay, you're going to die. What does that mean? You're going to be judged. What does that mean for your life? You know, Are you ready for that judgment? Are you confident that you're, you're going to stand before Christ and receive a favorable judgment? Now, here's something. When we went on our pilgrimage to Compostela, one of the things I learned along the way was that St. James acts as your defense attorney at the judgment. Mm. And that's one of the patronages of St. James, is that he is your defense attorney. At the judgment.
2: I'm really glad that I made the Camino, man. Right. I'm ready to I'm I, ready to I, do I the long that. one
1: too. Yeah I, mean, <laughs> yeah, I mean Yeah
2: I need some incense being offered on my behalf yeah. over my body.
0: I think uh like um I've heard a lot from priests and they say they I mean they hear confessions on people's deathbeds and they've been away from the church for so long. It's beautiful, dude. And and I I look at that mercy, mm. the mercy that God shows them there, it's still Yes, Like after being away for so long and probably doing a lot of horrible things, who knows. But, and then I also look at the, the objective mercy of the last rites and, and how that prepares you for death and welcomes you. Right. Like I trust in God's mercy. Like I, I do. I don't know if I'm ready to die or anything, but like I, I have a lot of faith in the, the, the continuum that I'm experiencing right now with his mercy, when I go to mass and when I go to uh, confession and the, what I've seen in mm-hmm. life on people's death, deathbeds, including my father, you know, and like, that's a sign to me that, that death, death should be almost celebrated. <laughs> like, like you're, you're like, in, in my opinion, yes. Are you, should you, Dwell on this? Yes. Should you meditate on this? Yes. But I always go back to what I've seen in God's mercy and I I rejoice in that, you know? Yeah.
1: And and mercy is all that we can rely on in the judgment. You know, I I always hear people give Bishop Barron so much hard time, particularly very traditionalist, about him saying, well, he's a universalist. He said that we can hope that heaven is full and hell is empty, Um, or that there's a reasonable expectation or a reasonable hope for that. All these people who are almost fetishizing judgment saying, no, hell is going to be super full and oh, so many people are going to hell and hell for every reason that you can think of. They're fetishizing judgment, which is not theirs to give. And it makes me wonder about where their their meditations of the four last thing is at when they are so willing to say most of the world is to be condemned to death. But not me okay thank god that know. i am not one of yeah, them Yeah, that's scary well, let's that's talk a about scary the fatima prayer here because yeah.
0: you're basically throwing that all out right right i mean you're basically saying that our lady and fatima now is you're, you're a freaking heretic like if you're, if you're coming at him like this oh my jesus forgive us our sins save us from the fires of hell lead all souls to heaven lead all souls why would you pray that all right yeah why would she tell us to pray that i desire that none are to be lost our mm-hmm. Lord's great prayer, right?
2: Yeah, it's And, it. and, and
0: it's, it's in Jesus's heart. Like mm-hmm. he wants mm-hmm. everybody. I mean, he's, obviously in scripture, you can break it out. The ones that, you know.
2: And are, I,
1: I don't, I don't it, deny how. I don't how, And we're going to talk about that. But no.
2: If God, if God sent Jesus into the world, <laughs> it shows just that alone. Right. Yeah. That he loves all of us. You know, if he shows mercy to the Roman centurion, if he shows mercy yeah. to the Greeks, if he shows Dismas. mercy to dismiss, exactly. Like, you know, and, and like you said before, Delacrosse, like the privilege of the priesthood of being present to someone that's been away from the church for 50, 60 years on their deathbed and they go through their lives and confess their sinfulness and their sorrow for sin and their contrition, bro. There's nothing more beautiful than that. Because what you see is Christ uplift all of the burden of a life of sin and disobedience, lift, and then the outpouring of tears, which renews the heart, it is absolutely breathtaking. And that is precisely who Jesus is because Jesus is savior, you know, and we have to realize that death in that form, you know, Jesus is, is meeting us to absolve us at that point. That's why the sacraments are there for us. The anointing, the apostolic pardon, viaticum, you know the commendation rites of the church of the of the dying and the prayers for the dead christian burial funeral rite all of these realities celebrating mass in the name of the deceased every time i celebrate mass in greater respect and a greater amount of time i'm celebrating mass for the deceased mm-hmm. You know, there's just great power in reflecting on the works being done leading to this particular judgment that you're expressing upon death. And at the particular judgment, we will see our lives. We will see ourselves as God sees us. And then we will proceed to our place of reward, heaven, purgatory, or hell, to wait for the universal judgment, which will take place after the resurrection of the body, but before the second coming of Christ. So in respect to the particular judgment and, you know, we were talking about, you know, um, you were you were mentioning Delacroix that some of these people in this image from the old cathedral of Salamanca. Uh, seem like they are willing, uh, willingly going. Um, There's an interesting insight that um, St. Faustina gives in her diary as the mystic and and secretary of Jesus's mercy and God willing, a doctor of the church uh, eventually. Um, She expresses, then the mercy of God begins to exert itself and without any cooperation from the soul, God grants it final grace. If this too is spurned, God will leave the soul in this self-chosen disposition for eternity. Mm. This grace emerges from the merciful heart of Jesus and gives the soul a special light by means of which the soul begins to understand God's effort. But conversion depends on its own will. The soul knows that this for her is final grace. And should it show even a flicker of goodwill, the mercy of God will accomplish the rest. And that is beautiful to me because it shows how merciful God is.
1: Even a flicker.
2: (laughs) And it's like, you think about how many people have been hurt by the church or disillusioned or misinformed, or, you know, they, they don't know what is behind this veil and then they die in the state of sin. They die in mortal sin. Who's going to, who's going to kind of sort through all of that stuff. But Jesus Christ who offers mercy In this, in this moment of final grace that she has, this is private revelation, but this speaks to me, she speaks to me Mm -hmm. and, and I'm just so, I'm just so taken back by the mercy of Jesus in this, in this moment, uh, before judge, particular judgment. If
1: if the judgment was only a matter of justice, no one would get to heaven.
2: Mm -hmm. No one. Amen.
1: Right? So it has to be a matter of the balance of justice and mercy. And our Lord, as the perfect judge, balances justice, which all of us have warranted the rewards of death, right? We have. But his mercy is the only thing that gets us to heaven. We can't earn heaven on our own. You know, that's one of the things that Protestants will accuse Catholics of saying that you can earn heaven through your actions. We cannot earn heaven. No. No amount of good works that we do will ever get us into heaven. Only. Christ's sacrifice and his mercy that he shed his blood for us mm. so the last judgment you know when like I said going back to the point that I think sparked this is that people are kind of really you know like hey everyone's going to hell and like, oh you're all going to hell and narrow is the gates which is true narrow mm-hmm. is the gates but to fetishize it and kind of preach it and just bash it into people I think is contrary to
0: manipulation
1: it's it's a it's a spiritual manipulation yeah. you're right because our Lord is mercy incarnate mm-hmm. he's the
2: seed of mercy and that's and that's why I you've turned me soft I'm a priest like that's why I'm a follower of Jesus like the way that he has shown me, me- mercy but the yeah. way that he continues to show me mercy like and bro I was thinking about you on the way back from adoration. And uh, benediction, y- you know, like you got hurt by the church. Yeah. You got hurt by a priest yeah. and you could have closed your heart to the church. And so I'm, you know, forget it and move on. But no, you didn't stop going to mass. And I've seen brothers that get kicked out of the seminary or walk away from the seminary because of conflict and they, they leave the church and they, they don't participate anymore.
0: Yeah. I remember uh, in the seminary going back to the seminary after I, I was kicked out, right? And it was unjust. And I, w- I went back and, um, I don't know, we had that little thing where we all roast each other and mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, and uh, I had just gotten a letter and I told the guys, you know? And it was kind of emotional for me because I, I love these guys. I mean, mm-hmm. shoot, I still talk to them. Um, a lot of them who, who have become priests. And so they were shocked at how I was dealing with it because like, they're just like, I don't understand like how you're not angry or anything. I'm like, man, I had absolutely nothing to do with this. Yeah. Like, this is this is out of my hands. I'm not leaving Christ, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not leaving his side. I understand, I was old enough to understand that people hurt people, Yeah. you know? They just do that, right? And uh, you know, to them, it was almost like a witness, mm-hmm. right? It was like, wow. Mm. This is great! What a mm-hmm. testament of his faith,
2: right? Mm-hmm. And what I what I loved it too is like you you immediately continue to serve the church in any capacity because you love Jesus and the way Jesus showed you mercy. Yeah, and it's like I will be a youth director. Yeah. I'm going to do this uh, digital stuff that the church needs help online. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to bring the gospel. I'm going to bring Jesus into this space, mm-hmm. and you know, like you never gave up. To serve Jesus and make it your life's vocation. Like yeah. for for me, it's like that inspire that inspires me because what what holds us together and why why I'm a priest, why why we're doing this is. It's not because of this manipulation that you're describing. It's not because, um, you know, I'm being forced to do it or I'm trying to make my dad proud or my mom proud. It has nothing to do with that. I've been shown great love and I want to respond in my limited way. How can I show love back? Mm -hmm. You know, how can I how can I serve Lord? Because he loves you first. Yeah, man. Like, yeah, it's just it's beautiful. It's beautiful when when we are not, you know, I no longer call you slaves. (laughs) I call you friends mm. because I've revealed everything. Yeah. You know, Jesus has revealed everything. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, that's why I, I will always serve the Lord no matter what. Yeah.
0: And the thing is, is like, it's just this great journey, man. It's like, you know, it like is. with with Fuzadi and stuff, it's like, I knew he wanted me doing it. And I was doing it. And I was like, whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, now I'm like, people are converting in the company. We're... You know, we've got miracles of people having babies once we consecrated it to our Lady of Guadalupe. Like, give everything to him. Yeah. Right? Everything. Yeah. It's not a little it's not a little part of your life. It it is the the pinnacle, it's the summit, it's the source of your life. Mm.
2: Right? Amen. So, you know, we're, we're, we've covered death. We've moved into judgment. We're experiencing mercy at both of these things. We're yeah. looking at death yeah. in a different light, yeah. you know, because there is remedy. There is a sense of, of a temporal reality. This is not permanent. And, and now we're moving to from judgment into heaven or hell. And many mystics have had these uh, experiences of heaven and hell and heaven is the eternal state of perfect happiness resulting from the face to face vision of God. This is the beatific vision, the beati, the, the blessed who are blessed because they are in the presence of God which is the reward of those who have served him in this life. This is what St. Paul, you know, talks about in, in scriptures uh, is, is this reward. Hell is the eternal state of torment and despair, which awaits those who in this life have freely rejected God and disobeyed him and the happiness, which he offers, they reject it. And before the end of the world, You know, and and before this final judgment, this universal judgment that we're talking about, this reality of heaven and hell is the state in which, you know, this particular judgment renders uh, the soul,
1: Mm -hmm. you know. I think the reason that we're talking about this is to talk about the meditation on these things, right? We're not trying to give a full treatise on what all of these things are, but on why you meditate on the four last things.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, you know, you meditate on death because it's going to happen. You meditate on judgment because it's going to happen. This is where we're getting to the point where it becomes a, a bifurcation of what's going to happen, heaven or hell. And the meditation starts to break down now into we meditate on heaven. What will heaven be like? Why do we want heaven? Why do we desire heaven? You know, a lot of people, I've, always, I've often thought, Do a lot of people, would they even want heaven if they realized what it was going to be? Mm. The eternal worship of God in union with Him? A lot of people think of heaven as winning the lottery and you're going to have, you know, houses and all the cars and you're going to have all the girls in heaven and you're going to sit on a cloud and play a harp. Instead of joining in with the choirs of the angels and singing, you know, singing God's praises for every turn, do people really want that? And I think meditating on heaven, you know, the beatific vision and being in the presence of God. Why do you want that? That's the that meditation of heaven. I'm gonna go Talladega
0: nights on you guys. All right. (laughs) When I think about Jesus, I think about when I think about heaven. uh, Like I, I do. I think of this like this absorption into a unifying like glory mm-hmm. like you know like obviously you you can't really know until you uh, arrive so to speak but like it's beautiful when I think of hell you know I, I I really I really think it's just like it's just you you've just been tricked right and you've you've not resigned you literally just like have been fooled. You know, and, and you've stuck to your guns and you said, I don't want this. You've rejected God. And it's this desolate place of just ruin, yeah. you know. Despair. Despair. So true. It's like, it's like constant torment.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and the, so like why we meditate on this and why it's good to look to the mystics who have had these experiences like St. Faustina, uh, you know, like the seers in, in Fatima, you know, the children and, mm-hmm. and really wrap your mind around it is it does create the impetus to live toward these realities in this temporal experience that we have in life and we need to be prepared. We need to be ready and we need to be living for the very reality of judgment today um, so that we can experience the inconceivable beauties of heaven in this beatific vision before God. Um, And, you know, at times it's like, when we consider it, generally speaking, we just think, well, do I want to just kind of, all right, I'm, for all eternity, I'm just kind of looking at Characters. God? Like, yeah. what's yeah. happening? Like, like, is okay, that it? Like, like, like,
1: for like three or four days, cool. But like, <laughs> eternity, eternity, like, like don't uh, I get somewhere to be? Can I take a nap? Am I ever going to get to, like, throw the perfect, you know, pass? No, those are ever, great question Is there bro. any golf in heaven? Yeah. Like, right. Do I get into, like, are, some downtime? Like, right. that's what I mean. Like, yeah. do people realize what heaven's going to people? Yeah. Like?
0: Well, they assume a temporal reality. That's yes. It's a very difficult thing yes. to Understand,
2: and and we have to look at states in life, right? So when I am with my boys out on the golf course and we're playing, and I'm playing well, and everybody's playing well, and there's a nice competition going on, and there's some razzing and some fun, and we're laughing and we're and we're we're having a great time. The state of life, that disposition, is an emotional psychological, spiritual disposition, a state. That reality is not ultimately dependent upon golf. It's dependent upon this exchange of Mm. love. So when there is an exchange of love in the triune God that's taking place and God wants you to participate in that share, it's like, bro, I want you guys to come out and play golf with me because I want this exchange to happen. This is God saying, I want you to be a part of the greatest round of golf <laughs> that you've ever experienced in your life. It's pure Peruvian <laughs> flake club. <golf. laughs> right, this is not, per- this, reiki this is not cut down <laughs> stuff. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but down. it speaks to the state. It's yeah. not It's
1: not like, yeah. you know. I, I, I love that. And that's such a great answer because it's like, well, I'm going to miss golf and my pets and I'm going to miss playing you know, this instrument or <laughs> reading this book. No, you're not. No. Because you're going to have the perfection of those desires, <laughs> a Peruvian in <laughs> Flake. <laughs> <laughs> but you have the perfection of those things in that beatific
2: exchange. But you know, it's like that's why yeah. Faustina is such a great doctor. Please, Holy Mother Church, let's let's name her a doctor. Whatever we need to speed that along the course. She used uh, she uses unfathomable. She uses inconceivable. Right, like we, it's it's what Saint Paul expresses. So another section of her of her diary from seven seventy seven from the the diary of Saint Faustina, and I saw its inconceivable beauties, and the and and beauties plural, right, beauties and the happiness that awaits us after death. I saw how all creatures even horses. Give ceaseless praise and glory to God. I saw how great is happiness in God, which spreads to all creatures, private revelation, making them happy, <laughs> <laughs> and then all the glory and praise which springs from this happiness returns to its source. And this is the exitus of reditus. This is why St. she is she's Thomistic. Um and they enter into the depths of God, contemplating the inner life of God, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit whom they will never comprehend or fathom. This source of happiness is unchanging in its essence, but it always is new gushing forth happiness for all creatures. Now I understand St. Paul who said, I has not seen nor ear has heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him.
1: You know, one of the things that I've always heard from the people who have said they have seen or knew somebody who saw heaven. And a lot of times they, like, Oh yeah, I died and I saw heaven. Yeah, okay, sure. You did. I don't believe every, I don't believe every account. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just critical and skeptic of, you know, revelation. Mm-hmm. Just out of, I would say, prudence. And
2: there's, I was just going to say, that's prudent. Like, we should be prudent. But the ones that have
1: struck me, and I've seen this consistently. Like, I remember I was at this shrine, and I heard this old nun. She was talking. The thing that they all have in common is that they say, there's colors there that you would not believe. Yeah colors that don't exist try to imagine a color that doesn't
0: exist i mean but i'm colorblind so this is like really. dude you're gonna go to heaven it's gonna be blue I'm gonna be like whoa <laughs> blue, <laughs> blue. <laughs> hey that's that colorblind guy you know, <laughs> over there he's, he's, why he's, does he look so happy dude, oh, that guy was this colorblind. Dude's to please <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> they get like they gotta oh, invent, they oh, invent, they <laughs> invent new colors <laughs> for me and you get to see blue and you're
0: like whoa <laughs> <It's so dumb. laughs> Um, uh, gosh. but uh, there's also a book The Great Divorce C.S. Lewis yep. yes. fascinating allegory on heaven and hell highly recommend it if you're interested in like sort of allegorical yeah Beautiful exposition,
2: and that that's a, that's just a great segue too. That there are so many materials out there to help you with the four last things. There are so many homilies, reflections, meditations. Yeah. C.S. Lewis—that's called the Great Divorce, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that. <laughs> you did, I did. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> but there are. There's so many resources. If there was only an app that would collect mm. the greatest inventory of Catholic resources to be able to provide them in mm. a engaging and electric way. Maybe you should make one. I think I should. Wait, there's more. There is one?
0: There is yeah. more? Yeah, there is one. <laughs> really? One. Why don't you tell me And one only Adam one. And it is the number one. The number one. Catholic app in the app universe in all things created by God or Arby's. <laughs> I don't know. What are we doing? And it's got a really cool color of blue. That's only in heaven. Can you see it? No. <laughs> How Holo- <But> I <laughs> heard
1: about it? Actually, the color of the app is purple. Can you see purple? Ooh. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> so this dude's been using the number one prayer app hollow because he went to cathartalkshow.com forward slash hollow download the app and you can't even see the color of the app. Interesting.
0: sorry, guys. <laughs> that's why i'm gonna be so happy in heaven
2: <laughs> would Whoa, you not use purple. my my lens cleaner wiping your face uh, and your greasy self? give me my give, not that either oh uh, that's terrible that's just disgusting i'm gonna have to watch i like hollow
0: because they had this like routine thing they kind of like watches when you pray and then mm-hmm. it offers like a routine and it just reminds me during the day to pray and there's just tons of content in there when i started using it it was just like prayers and some little music and now it's just like there's just so much there's no need to like i don't know surf the internet anymore for prayers well (laughs) Well, hollow's got so many great things they've got like you said like
1: these prayer routines but they've got the rosary meditations different paces different persons leading in the rosary different reflections which is what i really like using hollow for but they also have things like sleep meditations divine liturgy they have uh, sacred music. They have a lot of prayer challenges. They have things to help you prepare for mass. They Lectio
0: ha- Divina change yeah. will change your life. Mm-hmm. It will change your life.
2: And, and to pray as a way of life and to ensure that you are praying daily, it's good to have somebody's help. You know, it's good to call yeah. out your husband, your wife, you know, to call on your kids. It's time to pray. Well, the app creates these ways where you can get help so that you're ensuring to build the habit of prayer, to put on a habit of, of you know, like the religious in, in that form of discipline.
1: So yeah, again, if you go to catholictalkshow.com and if you can see purple, even if you can't see purple, uh, go to catholictalkshow.com forward slash hollow and try this app out for free. I mean, we've been working with them for years at this point since they first got it started. And now they are the biggest number one Catholic prayer yeah. app in the world. Over a billion prayers. Because of our listeners
0: that's right. have the app. Over That's a
1: billion prayers this. have been said to this app, so it's a so it's, it's a worldwide bro. movement. So go check it out today. Yeah.
2: Bishop Kevin Rhodes expressed, "Hallow is an excellent resource for people searching for deeper spiritual lives, especially the younger generation of Catholics today. It helps make clear that a relationship with God is and can be extremely personal and can be a great source of peace, joy, and strength."
0: Thank you, Bishop Rhodes.
2: Well, guys, this has been very fruitful uh, in, in the meditation that just kind of happened naturally. And we hope that you enjoyed the conversation that we've had today on the four last things and the importance of keeping this in your repertoire of prayer. And as we kind of go forth into this new week, you may be looking for resources so that you can exercise this important discipline. And as we near closer to Advent, and we're going to be having these readings very soon, you know, possibly picking up a resource like Ligori's Meditations on the Last Things, Death, Judgment, Heaven, and Hell. You know, th- these are illustrated in, in, you know, a modern way, a great book that can help you enter into this period of time in the church's liturgical calendar and really value this opportunity of a lifetime it's not it's not time for christmas yet it's like we've got to exercise what the liturgies are reflecting, and I know it's difficult. You know, I I violate the disciplines all the time because I'm listening to Christmas music because I just want a little uplifting experience. I'm 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 chasing that, but this is far more effective because it starts to glimpse at what is before us.
1: Yeah, I like that recommend, recommendation of Ligori on it. it. Really, his meditations are amazing. But there's a lot of other books, so go learn about the the four last things meditations. But I think it's really important that you at least start to meditate on these things because they're going to happen, right? Yeah. And that's – you can't really avoid them anymore in your life. And you, and the reason you meditate on them is because it will better prepare you for them when they happen. Mm-hmm. You don't want to be caught off guard. You want to be ready, you know, in the night when it happens, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, meditating on heaven, hell, death, and judgment – it's just something that every Catholic should do. And I'm mm-hmm. glad that we had this chance to share this with everyone.
2: Amen. It was a great episode. And it's always great connecting with you each and every week right here at the Catholic Talk Show. Make sure if you want one of those hats... Hit that up.
1: That's, Catholic- like, that's like the last thing. This is like the fifth last thing. Go to CatholicTalkShow.com yeah. forward slash Patreon, and you can get all the different ways you can support us. Get coffee cups, hoodies, mugs, cool hats like this, and so and much more. We
2: just want to say thank you to our patrons out there. We wouldn't be able to do it without you. So if you're considering sporting a cool hat, we always need new family members to the Patreon crew. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.